Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, Donnie Blanchard, brought to you in part by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most and Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. And welcome back to another exciting, action-packed edition of the Carolina Contractor Show. My name is Eric Smith. Across from me, the lovely and talented Donnie Blanchard, general contractor. How are you, sir? Doing great, man. How about yourself? Ah, loving it. Now that we get into the uh, the colder month of the year. For sure. And last week, we got a lot of comments on the show. We, did. Uh, we had Dr. David Peden, and he was giving so much insight, information about COVID-19, about the vaccine, mm-hmm. and we've got that information up at the site, and we've got uh, some links up there, too, we're going to talk about. And the website's the place to start, thecarolinacontractor.com. We also have Facebook interactions there. We've got uh, your ability to ask Donnie questions. And, again, we've talked mm-hmm. about this before. We ask ask people to ask questions to the contractor. Right. Sometimes they're about things like COVID, and we, we're not that bright, so we have to have a professional in like we did <laughs> with Dr. Peden. But there is something interesting because we wanted to have Dr. Peden back because mm-hmm. your worlds do kind of cross. You want to explain that and then bring a- him in? Absolutely. Well, he was gracious enough to come back on with us uh, this week, and last week was so informationally packed that we just couldn't get the HVAC questions into that show. And I just felt like um, we would give him our platform and uh, as a service to the public and especially our listener base – uh, given us, given Dr. Peden our platform, I think was a very wise thing, and uh, we just got some really positive feedback. Before we dive into this HVAC topic, I wanted to say one thing that we didn't get in last week. Dr. Peden's wife, Sherry, was gracious enough to uh, do some homework, and she texted me these links as far as um, uh, construction workers order uh, uh, to get the vaccine. So all that information, I won't get into the details, but that information can be found at ncdhhs.gov. And it will basically outline when you would be eligible for the vaccine, as well as some helpful information on where to uh, where to find the vaccination site. And welcome again back to the show, Dr. David Peden. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for inviting me back. Well, the information you gave us last week, it was there was so much of it, and that's why we've encouraged people to download the podcast because you just can't the average person can't absorb it. Nope. In, in one time, but it, it's fascinating. And if you, again, have questions out there, you're thinking, uh, is what should I get? Should I get the vaccine? What are some of the differences between them? All that information is in the podcast from last week's show. But as we said at the beginning of this show, is there is a crossover between your home or business's ventilation system, HVAC system, and how to limit a virus from spreading and that's what we want to kind of focus on today. And, Donnie, you want to kick that off? Sure. Well, there's no secret that there's going to be some major changes in the HVAC world. And we're hearing from inspectors that that's especially going to be applied to commercial settings. So um, most of these questions, Doctor, are centered around air circulation, purification, that sort of thing. And we touched on it last spring when you were here the first time. But, um, you know, things have uh, evolved, and these are probably a little more complicated than what we talked about uh, eight, nine months ago. But um, the first thing I'll start with is, do you feel like regulating fan speeds in the HVAC systems will help? 
so, so frankly, that's the kind of a study that would be interesting to do because you actually need to look at infectivity rates, presence of microbes, including virus, et cetera. But having said that, I think that clearly you know, what, what, what I think we do have a good handle on is the number of air exchanges in your home per hour uh, uh, makes a difference. I mean, the more you can ventilate and get air out, and particularly if you can filter the air, uh, as an adjunct, uh, that should really be help. That that should be helpful in making sure that uh, that the air is clear. I mean, in hospitals, we do very severe reverse engineering. I mean, we have negative pressure rooms, which basically means that uh, that when you when you go into a room, anything in that room, if uh, you know that the air is kind of sucked in there. I mean, is it, it it's invented in such a way for infectious you know for very infectious diseases patients in ICU settings that they that you can try to contain that air all in one space. Now, that's an extreme version that you're not going to do in your home mm-hmm. uh, unless you want to increase your home, your, your home costs by an order of magnitude. But, the, uh, uh, but, the, uh, uh, but in general, the more you ventilate, can ventilate the house with regards to microbial stuff, uh, the, the, the better off it you are likely to be. Can the virus float? around for hours what's the the definitive position on that because we hear people say oh well you go into a room and someone had it it'll it'll stick around for three hours floating in the air and would doing more uh circulation or as you said we run the system all night to get more air changes would that have a benefit so the virus lives on on micro droplets that's why masks work masks strain out physical material in the air which are droplets and particles on which the viruses exist. Mm. To think that you're going to have a ton of those in the air for hours after somebody's there, that's probably not a huge risk. What is a bigger risk is if the droplets settle on a surface and then you interact with that surface where it's not just in the air. So like if, if a COVID-infected person was not wearing a mask and working in your, you know, cooking for you and working around your kitchen stuff, if you have a surface that, is not in and of itself uh, virostatic, and and you don't clean it right away. I could imagine that that would be a risk. Clearly, your single biggest risk to having getting coronavirus is to encounter another human being within six feet of you without a mask that has coronavirus. Pure and simple. Humans are the biggest vectors of disease, and I think what we're talking about is true for COVID, but frankly, is true for a lot of things. And there are other microbes that are probably are hardier than the, than the coronavirus in terms of how long you know that you can encounter them after they're gone. But I'm I'm frankly more worried about what's in the air settling on a surface and then remaining on that surface for a long time. Uh, that's why I would think using bleach or sanitizing you know, material and and cleaning the surfaces in your house makes a lot of sense as well. And you couple that with improved air exchanges, uh, changes in, in commercial settings. But yes, I do think that changing the air exchanges, keeping the fan, you know, and, and actually having an active fan, I, I, my understanding is that most filtration systems really are only active if there's a fan on because you got to move the air through the filtration system. Just to reference a show we did before we got together initially, Doctor, uh, we mentioned that copper and alloys of copper like brass and bronze uh, they immediately kill all viruses that, that land on, not immediately, but they start to um, break down any virus that lands on those. And um, uh, interestingly enough, I had a magnet in my pocket when I came to your house the first time, and uh, that was a way that we were able to test your uh, door hardware, and it was, in fact, real um, oil rub bronze. So um, I think it's important for people. I mean, if you're 
uh, worried about this or surface transmission, like the doctor said, you could uh, go to Lowe's or any of the big box stores and uh, you could swap out all your door hardware and just make sure that what you're getting is actual bronze. And that's funny we got on that because in our question segment, we have a couple of tips on how to tell if it is, in fact, a copper alloy. What is your take on air purifiers, Doctor? We touched. You said HEPA filters were something that you endorsed on the first program we did last spring, but um, do you feel like uh, that's something, because those things are awful expensive, do you feel like that's something that's worth investing in? So the short answer is yes, but I, I'll give you my, my own personal bias. Remember, my uh, the bulk of my research and the bulk of my attention has been focused on the impact of air pollution on human health. And so for reasons other than infectivity, uh, you know, airborne particles can cause health outcomes, particularly if, uh, although people shouldn't smoke, if you live with a smoker, that's even magnified. If you use a real wood-burning stove, uh, that can be somewhat magnified. And in those cases, what's very clear is that there are good health outcomes related. You know, you do improve health with a HEPA filter. Uh, so, so that becomes a risk-benefit analysis for you. If you've got good air circulation, you don't use those other devices, and if you are, uh, you know, careful about who comes into your home and masking and whatever. I don't think it's a requirement that you have a HEPA filter, but if you are somebody where you've made a decision, I want to maximize my safety. I want to, you know, I I, I want brakes and airbags, as it were. (laughs) Right. Uh, Then then a HEPA filter, uh, from an engineering perspective, makes a whole lot of sense, and, and and I would still endorse that. What I'm less enthused about are ozone generators. Mm-hmm. It's very clear that if you ozonate fluids, you know, and, and, and in certain settings, use of ozone as a disinfectant makes a lot, you know, can, can make a lot of sense. Usually in the context of bubbling ozone through liquids through water to disinfect water, and in that setting, uh, it, it, it can be fine. Ozone can actually, you know, might even be used to, you know, you could put surgical instruments in your room filled with ozone, and that would be useful. Having said that, uh, ozone directly causes adverse. It's one of the regulated air pollutants in the United States. I've spent more than half my career studying what bad things happen to people who are exposed to ozone, uh, hmm. and so and, uh, and and ozone is a toxic agent, and in very high doses, ozone can be a pretty toxic agent. I think there the likelihood of getting enough uh, antiviral activity from an ozone generator that would generate enough ozone to do that would also almost be a poison to you. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit to make a, make a point. So I'm not enthused about ozone generators as a way to disinfect a house, certainly not as a way to, to disinfect a house if you're still in the house when it's on. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, less, I'm much more enthused about HEPA filters or high-efficiency particle accumulator. I, I'm, I would never buy one for my own house. I understand. You mentioned something with a wood stove earlier, and um, I jotted a note down here that I guess I saw you on TV about six months ago, and you did a study on smoke affecting virus susceptibility. And uh, I grill three or four nights a week, and, uh, of course, I use a charcoal grill. Would you say that just because I'm I'm around that much smoke that I'm more susceptible to contract a virus of, of any kind? You know, it- well, if you're using a charcoal grill and if you're using it outside and it's good outdoor ventilation, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be too terribly worried about that. The studies, and actually the studies that we did, the study you're referring to was actually done by, by my colleague, who's the, who is now the director of, of our center. Okay. Uh, her name is Alana Jaspers. And uh, they looked at wood smoke and they looked at the impact of wood smoke on infectivity. They, their, their experimental virus was actually the, uh, the attenuated flu vaccine or flu mist vaccine. 
And they did find some changes. Uh, these were people experimentally exposed for two hours sitting in a room that contained 500 micrograms per cubic meter uh, of wood smoke, uh, which is close to, I mean, the current U.S. standard for particulates is 35 micrograms per cubic, per cubic meter. Uh, that level of wood smoke is like what a firefighter might encounter, mm-hmm. what you might encounter if, if there's like a forest fire near your house. So the short answer is outdoor grilling with outdoor ventilation, uh, et cetera, intermittently should really not be a big risk. I, I wouldn't lose sleep over that per se. Now, if you were, you know, if you use wood as your primary heating source, mm-hmm. uh, and you use it in the house, there you got to be really clear that you've got good ventilation, that your chimneys work well, or your smokestacks, or however you vent, uh, that the that the smoke is really vented outside. Uh, if you're not careful, you can get a pretty good chronic level of, of particulate matter in your house from that. Gotcha. It's uh, one of the reasons I don't grill in the middle of a forest fire, <laughs> because it kind of doubles the danger right there. I have a question for you, Doctor. UV light. We've heard about its effect on killing viruses, and someone came up with a great idea of installing UV light systems on the HVAC coil. Do you have an opinion on that? That's an intriguing idea, and I and I think that, you know, I almost view that like a new drug. I think it needs to be tested to see how well it works. you got to be a little bit careful. I mean, you know, the, the question I would have is, do you get inadvertent ozone production from that? But if you do mm. not... Uh, I, I think I think ozone. I, mean, I, I think UV light, uh, particularly. I mean, the idea would be is that you you put the UV light in in conjunction with the filter, and that's actually away from the people, and the UV light is there as well as the filtering. Uh, I, I uh, on a commonsensical basis, I can't see that that would be a problem. I, I think it's a very reasonable thing to try. I'm sure that in a laboratory setting, UV light has been shown to be uh, antiviral and antimicrobial. Whether that works on an industrial uh, practical basis probably remains to be seen, but I, I think it's a very intriguing idea and, and one that's probably, you know, that's worthy of review. Well, it's been around for a while, so uh, HVAC contractors just don't advertise it. So the guys that we work with, uh, they can do it, uh, but they basically just do it when people bring it up and ask for it specifically. And I think the reason it has gained popularity in recent months is just because this virus, the, the particles are smaller than uh, other virus particles. Is that right or no? Uh, well, they're 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 PM two point five. They're, they're small. I mean, they, they would be. Uh, you might get a few more through, and the UV light probably does help inactivate them. That would be something that we would need to study. That's a study that would be done. I simply, you know, yeah. but I don't know with data the answer to that question. I'm making a, a an educated guess. Right, right. No, it sounds good to us too. It's just one of those things where. In my mind, I kind of feel like everybody should do it just for good measure, but um, apparently it's just not something that a HVAC contractor offers with a typical system. Um, Jumping into something else, this is not really related to HVAC, but it just dawned on me and I wrote it down to ask you, um, what do you think about virus detection in the future in terms of uh, being able to detect a virus uh, without doing the nasal swab or, or other methods that we have now? Is that something that's realistic in the next five, ten years? Well, there are a lot of companies that are working on that, and and in the few minutes I've got, we've got left, I can I can review a little bit the different kinds of tests that are emerging. Uh, so, uh, so the gold standard, be clear, right now, if you really want to know if you're infected or not, the, the gold standard remains the nasal swab where they get material, and the swab's got to be deep enough. That's why you know, you need to tear up because that tells you the swab's in the right place. Uh, and you bring the swab out, and they actually look for the, the it, 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 they look for the DNA of the virus. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, 
uh, it's a, a PCR base. So it was a polymerase chain reaction base actually replicating the DNA of the virus, and that's the gold standard. Now, there are other tests that can be done, including nasal swab tests, looking for antigen, looking for the protein, uh, looking for the virus on the protein level. Uh, those can be useful. Those are the kinds of tests that are being developed for home tests because you don't need all the technology for, uh, for the PCR test. The PCR test refers to the process by, by which you get a tiny amount of DNA and you artificially, in a, in a machine, you increase that DNA by like a hundred thousand fold, so you can actually detect the virus or not. Uh, whereas, uh, uh, whereas the 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 uh, antigen test literally looks for you know looks for the the virus on on a protein level, uh, and you can make reagents that can are for a home test. It's not as accurate, I think, and I think the more we use the tests and the more the tests are developed. We'll have a lot more data on how accurate they are. They can be helpful. They can certainly be modestly reassuring, but they certainly are not. They're certainly not the standard that would be used uh, in a hospital to, to say that you're cleared to have a, a surgical procedure as yet. I know your time is limited today, doctor. So I appreciate you being willing to answer those questions. And I'm sorry we didn't get to it last week, but um, as this thing progresses, I would love it if you could find time to come back and you know speak to us and our listener base again. And um, you know, hopefully, this thing is evolving in the right direction. And and I can't thank you enough for just sharing all that information with us. Things are maybe starting to tip the mountain. You know that we're over the mountaintop. We have to be vigilant. We can't let up. Uh, we're still not in the place we need to be. Uh, but I think we'll get there with a combination of of developing new therapies, uh, maximizing the vaccines, uh, and continuing the good public health practices with masking and social distancing that to date uh, are known to be effective. Well, thank you so much, Dr. David Peden. We'll put this information up on the website. That's thecarolinacontractor.com, and you can download past podcasts, including the interview we had with Dr. Peden last week, too, and listen to those. Again, there's so much information about COVID, about things you can do that the doctor talked about that you're just not going to be able to absorb it in one show. So hit the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. The site that references most of our subject matter from segment one is epa.gov. I have that posted at the website as well, and that basically details all of the ins and outs and recommendations for HVAC systems. Everything from residential to commercial is on there, and it's a really good short read. Thecarolinacontractor.com. It's also the place you can ask the contractor a question, and of course that's Donnie Blanchard, who's sitting right across from me. If you have a question about your house, it doesn't have to be the roof. It can be the walls, the inside, the outside. We love to get the questions. So you click on that little button that says, ask the contractor, fill out the information along with your question. Donnie reads them all. We like to answer them on the air. But one thing you talked about in this interview with Dr. Peden was copper, brass, bronze fixtures Mm -hmm. and how they inhibit the viruses like COVID-19 from staying on the surface. You had a little test, and I don't know if people caught it. How do you know if you have real copper, brass, or bronze? Right. Just a quick tip. Um, We were at Dr. Peden's house looking at something totally unrelated, and we started talking about the show. And probably one of the most downloaded podcasts we've ever had was called The Copper Show. We did it last year before Dr. Peden came on the air the first time. And basically what it talks about is how copper and alloys of copper like brass and bronze – they kill all viruses, so not just corona, but um, you know, copper used to be a thing years and years ago. And uh, with the availability of plastic, stainless steel, aluminum, copper just kind of phased out. But it still works the same way as it used to. And uh, a lot of people have 
real oil rub bronze uh, hardware in their house. They have things like copper sinks, you know, bronze mm-hmm. sink faucets. And the way that you can test those, one way you can test those is with a simple magnet. So you just put a magnet there, and if it's copper-plated steel, then, of course, the magnet will stick. If it doesn't stick, you probably have the real thing. Another way, if you don't have a magnet, I would recommend uh, you can scratch the surface and just see what's under there because with the oil-rubbed bronze, of course, that's not the true bronze color. My recommendation there is to take a screwdriver and a door handle, basically remove one side of the door handle mm-hmm. and scratch the inside of it so you know you don't get in trouble with your wife for well, making that, a big blemish. That is what I would call a way you could do it, but I right. don't think we're in a magnet supply shortage. So right. I, I would definitely go with a <laughs> magnet, magnet and start taking things apart or doing scratch and sniff test to determine what you have there. <laughs> Another question came up when we're talking with Dr. Peden about HVAC systems. You were mentioning filters and things mm-hmm. like that. A question we got was what MERV rating is recommended for HVAC filters? Right. Uh, well, MERV, first of all, it measures how much matter passes through an air filter. So it stand, the acronym MERV, M-E-R-V, stands for Minimum Efficiency Reporting Value. And they Very rate sexy. It is. They rate these on a scale of one to twenty, depending on the minimum size of the particle that you're trying to filter out. Categories one through four. This is a pretty open filter. You know, this will uh, capture things like bugs, dust mites, household debris. Um, some folks reference things like window unit air conditioners have this particular filter built in. Mm-hmm. Uh, categories five through eight are things that are a little smaller: uh, mold, pet dander, aerosol sprays. Uh, that's basically the baseline for all. Residential air conditioners is uh, categories 5 through 8 on the MER filter rating. Right. Uh, categories 9 through 12 just get smaller and smaller. So this is uh, things like pollutants, um, dust. Uh, hospital labs commonly have these, and really high-end residential air conditioners have these as well. Uh, category 13 through 16, you don't really hear about very often, but this is things like bacteria, droplets from sneezing, smoke, uh, things that are even smaller than what we talked about before. And the common places you find categories 13 through 16 are like patient surgery areas of hospitals where they Mm -hmm. just can't take any chances. The smallest category, 17 through 20, uh, basically includes all viruses, uh, the finest particles of smoke and dust that you can imagine. And really, these are only used in clean rooms, so like places where they manufacture electronics or uh, really sensitive science experiments, uh, 17 through 20, are used in those type of rooms. Hey, we got time for one more question, and, and this is definitely left field. Okay. Are there any alternatives to an underground dog fence? I told Donnie the other day, we're talking on the phone, and we have a new Labrador retriever. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, she likes to destroy potted plants. Number two, she mm-hmm. likes to dig under the fence. And yes, she's gotten out, and our ring yep. doorbell system caught her mm-hmm. out in the front yard. Are there alternatives to um, the there's dog something, fence? Yep, there's something that recently came out, and it's a system called Halo, H-A-L-O. Uh, it was actually patented by the guy who's the dog trainer on TV. Is it Caesar? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about. Okay, yeah. so he and a couple of other guys got together, and they came out with this thing, which is basically a um, it, instead of an underground dog fence, which are really, really pricey. You know, if you have a couple of acres, you could get, get into the thousands really easy. Uh, but this is the neatest thing. It's uh, it's about an $800 per collar. But what you can do is you can actually draw out. It, it's called a smart fence, actually. You mm-hmm. draw out the fence line on your phone, on your map. So basically, if you camp or you travel and you take your pets with you, this goes wherever you go. And uh, genius, yeah, it's pro- it's eight hundred dollars, but versus underground fence for several acres that can never be moved. You know, this is one thing that they've never had on the market before. There is a monthly subscription, but I mean, a lot of people love their pets like children. So ten bucks a month to have this thing uh, to make sure that your pets always have that uh, that geo fence that's controlled by G- GPS is well worth it. Uh, also, it monitors other things like the health of your pet and, of course, its location. You can find your Uh, Dog, if it ever wanders off beyond the fence or something goes haywire, you still have their location. I'm going to be honest because I know I'm not the only one. 
But in my head, I was thinking, I wonder if it could be used for kids. <laughs> I'm not advocating it. I'm just saying I know people out there have the exact same thought. Could you imagine going to the beach and you just hook up your, your, your kids to it and say, go on. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, right. We're not recommending it. It was just <laughs> the thought that happened. It, it, like you said, it is probably highly illegal. Yeah. If you have a question about how to keep your kids and I mean, uh, keep your dogs in a certain area on your property, go ahead and ask Donnie that question by going to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. Click on the Ask the Contractor link. Again, we proved it. It can be about your house or it can be about canine care. And you can also find details on past episodes. That's where you can download them in podcast form. And you can find links to the Facebook page, the YouTube page, and also find out if you need a new roof. And you might be going, oh, I don't know if I need a new roof. Well, then you need to call SureTop Roofing or visit their website, SureTopRoofing.com. Diane and his team will come out. They give free estimates. They'll look around the house. They'll get out the drone and do cool stuff. Maybe it has no damage. You don't even need to be replacing your roof. That's awesome because what Donnie loves to say is what? Your roof looks great. Call me next year. And we will see you next week on the Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show presented by SureTop Roofing. Learn more and submit your questions at thecarolinacontractor.com. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.